Hey everyone, Calvin Mofield here and welcome back to Calvin the Author's Audiobooks for episode 7. As always, thank you for coming back to hear me tell you another piece of the story. Still working through edits of Broken Realms, Finding Home Tale 5, and so far I've not done any work in looking for a cover yet. Books are still on Kindle Unlimited, so if you have that service, check them out. If not, feel free to purchase one of my books. If you can, I need you guys to rate and review the podcast. Doing that helps the podcast get noticed by new listeners, and I really would like to tell as many people a story as I possibly can, and that would definitely help. This podcast contains adult language, situations, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. On the last episode, Max had finally found the house where the dark-colored explorer was parked. After casing the place for a bit, Max jumped the fence in the backyard and snuck into the house through a window. Once inside, Max could hear the drug dealer arguing with someone that he couldn't see. Finally, the unknown voice had the drug dealer bring a woman into the room with them. Max sees that the woman is in fact Steph, and then he dies. Chapter 5 Everything Hurts Is this what being dead feels like? I thought they had always told us that when our loved ones were dead, they didn't feel pain anymore. If I'm dead, that was a total lie. Speaking of dead, are dead people supposed to think? I don't remember being judged either. No fire, no big gate with St. Pete sitting there looking at my past sins. I groan. Okay, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure dead people don't groan. I try to move, but all I can manage is a small nudge at the cost of a truckload of pain. Pain meant I wasn't dead though, right? If I could feel something, I was alive. Plus, I was making noises and thinking. If my math was right, and it seldom is, that all added up to me somehow surviving whatever went on in that house. How could that be true? I saw my gut spluttered on the floor, right before Mr. Blacksuit took Steph. Sadness takes my heart by surprise. Dead people didn't feel sad, I was almost certain of it. So I must be alive. At least, I think I must be alive. It's not like I had a lot of experience with dying. It always seemed like a one-time deal to me. I knew there was only one way to find out if I was truly dead or not. I was going to have to open my eyes and take a look around. Only then would I know where I was and what had happened to me. To be honest, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to know or not. Finally, I tell myself to stop being a wuss and make up my mind to see what's going on. I was going with the band-aid philosophy of opening them all the way so that I could just get it over with and not be a puss by doing it slowly. I spring my eyes open and immediately cringe, shutting them back tight as bright lights of the room rape my retinas. When the pain wears off, I take the wuss route and open my eyes slowly, letting them get used to the light gradually and not hating myself near as much for the decision. When my eyes finally focus, I can see that I'm in the hospital. I can hear the whir of the IV machines and see where the tubes are plugged into my hand. As I glance around, I can feel the gown tugging at my shoulders, which slightly embarrasses me because I know, most likely, a bunch of people have now seen me naked. I couldn't tell if I was alone in the room or not because the curtains were pulled. At least I had the window side and could see the dying light of the day being smothered by the coming darkness of dusk. That gave me some indication of what time of day it was. It also occurred to me that I had no idea how long I'd been here. That particular realization sent a pang of fear through me. If I had been here a while, there was no way I could help Steph now, even if I could find some magic lead that led me to the vampires. I couldn't believe that I was thinking about that. Could it really have been vampires I faced in that house? Had they been real or just a bunch of cultists with sharp teeth? There was no denying their speed or strength. Even drugged, they'd have been hard-pressed to manhandle me the way that they did. 
I lie there thinking about what my next move is and how I could get myself out of here when I hear the door open and the telltale squeaky caster of a cleaning cart. I dismiss it, of course, because there were cleaning ladies in hospitals at all hours making sure that things were tidy and sterile. What I didn't count on, at all, was seeing Janitor Jim open the curtain and walk into my little area of the room. I see you made your choice, lad, he tells me. I think the craziness that he's put me through had finally wore off, or the pain meds had kicked in. You're not from around here, are you? I ask him. He smiles at me with warmth that I'd never expected from a stranger, least of all him. No, lad, I guess not. Was it that obvious? Not many folks with your accent or vernacular, Jim. You sort of stand out, I reply. He smiles again and pulls the dust mop off the cart and starts cleaning the floor. I, I'm sure I do. But I've not the time to talk about where I'm from, lad. I'm here to give you some help on where you're going. And where would that be? Now's not the time for talking. Now is the time for listening, he says, clutching the handle with both hands and leaning on it. Those things you saw last night, boy, they were real. You were not imagining them. A chill runs through me. Even if I had thought they were vampires, I was still holding out the hopes that it was some sort of cult, and not some sort of nightmare. Not to worry, lad. Like I said, I were here to help you, he says, cleaning the floor again and moving back toward his cart. I left a present for you in the parking lot. An old friend, you might say. He'll be within arm's reach when you need him. What are you talking about? I ask him. I hate being cryptic, especially with you. He puts the dust mop back on the cart. His eyes look sad as he talks to me. It can't be helped, though. I'm doing as much as I can for you, to keep you safe. I don't understand, Jim, I tell him. He shakes his head slowly, not quite looking directly at me. I know. The answers are coming, though, along with new questions, I imagine. But remember this, lad. You have been, and always will be, a warrior. Fighting is all you know, and you will fight your way through this as well. Then he disappears behind the curtain again. I hear the door open again and figure Jim had opened it on his way out into the hallway. Imagine my surprise when Dez throws the curtain to the side and walks right up to my bed. He was pissed, too. From his face to his posture, I knew all he wanted to do at the moment was kick my ass and I couldn't blame him. He had taken a chance and trusted me with information he knew I didn't need in order to prove his friendship was real. And how had I repaid his loyalty? I shot up some drug dealers and got myself put in the hospital. I just hope no one could pin all of that on him. Are you out of your fucking mind? He asked me. Depends. Did you see an old white guy pushing a janitor's cart? I replied, trying to stare past him to see if Jim was still there. Is everything a joke now? You pissed your life away? And now you want to piss mine away too? He asked me, putting his hands on his hips. That last comment hit me like a right hook. He thought I was out to ruin him. I felt ashamed. In my own macho righteousness, I didn't even drop him a text to tell him what I was doing. It's not like that, I tell him. What isn't it like, Max? I've got five dead bodies. Four of them have bullets from your gun. I look surprised. Did I forget to mention that? I have a blood-soaked house and I have you unconscious on the floor right in the middle of all that mayhem. He says all of this, half screaming at me and edging closer to my bed with every sentence. So you tell me what it's like, Max. Tell me what I'm supposed to think. Wait, how many bodies? I ask him. Five, he answers me. Something didn't add. There was four dead guys, including Stellingman. And I could have swore I saw Black Suit run off with Steph. Was Steph one of them? I asked him. She was there? He replies, sounding surprised. I hang my head on my chest and wait for my heart to stop pounding. Thank God. I say out loud. You didn't answer me, Max. Was Stephanie there? Dad says, pulling up a chair that sat against the wall and sitting down. 
I nod my head, still waiting for the pounding to stop and my breathing to calm down. I saw her. I touched her. She was there. And I lost her. Dez puts his hand on his thighs and lets them slide down to his knees. Ah, Max. Damn. He says to me much softer now. All of the rage and anger seem to have just dissipated into the room. What happened inside that house? How did things get that carried away? I shake my head. You wouldn't believe me, I tell him. At this point, I'm ready to believe anything, Des retorts. Why's that? I ask. Des throws his hands up in the air. You got the doc spooked, man. Why do I have the doc spooked? Am I okay? I ask, getting a little nervous. Yeah, you're great, he answers me. That's why they're spooked. They stitched me up, didn't they? They're the reason I'm all right, so what's got them all worked up? Dez stands up and starts pacing towards the foot of my bed. They say they didn't stitch you up, Max. You stitched yourself up. Wait, what? How the hell would I put myself back together? Mr. Blacksuit left me literally in pieces. You mean like, while I was blacked out, somehow I dressed my wounds? Dez turns to face me with a blank look. No! I mean, like, you came in with a hole in your chest and now it's gone, Max. You got them scared as hell. I was the only one they could get to come in here. No one else would. My head starts swimming and the room starts to rock like a boat on the river. I can't wrap my head around it. I really was dead? And I came back? Dez, come on, man. You can't be serious. I tell him, eyeing him for any sign of a smirk or a smile. Check for yourself, Max. Your chest is right there, Dez says, pointing at me. It didn't look like he was going to let this gag go, and it was starting to piss me off. Fine, fine, I will. I tell him pulling my gown down, showing him the dressing on my chest. See? There it is. Not healed. It's got a bandage on it. Take it off, Dez tells me. If I do that, the nurses will get pissed at me. I fire back. Max, you're under lock and key accused of quintuple murder. Fuck the nurses. I want to see this. Dez tells me coming at me like he's going to rip the bandage off my chest himself. Okay. I say, raising my left hand to fend him off. I'll do it. Just give me some room. Dez backs up and I start pulling at the tape, holding the gauze on my chest. I finally get enough up to get my thumb and fingers underneath it and start to pull it away from my skin. I start slow at first, but I start to notice that all I'm finding is bare skin, so I pull faster, until finally the bandage is off and all I can see is my chest. No scars, no blood, not even a scratch. Just skin. All I can do is stare at it for a moment. This much weird was more than one man should have to take, and I already had issues to deal with. What does it mean? I ask Dez. Dez just shakes his head. How the fuck should I know? I continue staring at my chest, remembering the gaping hole that I'd just seen there the night before. What did they say about me? You said they were spooked. What tipped them off? Dez blows out a whistle. From the beginning or just since you've been here? Take it from the top, I answer. Dez walks back over to the seat and sits down again. The police report I read said that two officers were dispatched after gunshots were heard in the house. When they got there, they tried several times to get someone to come to the door, and when no one came, they kicked the door in. Dez pauses and shifts uneasy in his seat. I know the guys that went out there. They've been on the force for a while. Handled some nasty stuff. Both of them admitted to having to flee the home to get away from the smell and the sight of the bodies. Because of that, I've decided not to look at the photos. I don't want to see something I can't unsee, you know? I wince and nod. Anyways, they call in the coroner to pick up the bodies, including yours. When you gasp and start breathing again, right there on the carpet. Everyone freaked out, man. One of the guys said the coroner's assistant fainted straight out. 
They had to bring her here with you and admit her until she woke up, he says, cracking a smile. It doesn't sound funny, Des, I tell him a little angry. Yeah, I know. It's more nervous laughter than ha-ha laughter, Des admits to me. Right. I guess that made sense. If it were me, I guess I'd be nervous too. Then again, I'd have to believe it first, and even now I was having problems with that. He had the facts, though. Testimony of respected professional people. All I have are memories, and they were shaky at best. Do I make you nervous, Des? I ask, looking over at him. Des scratches his head and scrunches his face. The way folks do when they're trying to look for a nice way to say a bad thing. Yeah, kinda. I mean, it's a little more than unbelievable, Max. The doctors have actually documented your wound healing. From the time they picked you and your guts up off the floor to the time it looked like little more than an accidental stab wound. Why would they put their careers on the line if it weren't true? And if it's true, what the hell are you, man? Still your friend, for one. I fire back at him. I still feel the same way inside. To the point I want to drink so bad I have to fight the urge to rip this IV out and go find one. I settle into my pillows. It's all more than anyone should have to take, and if you think you're scared, try being me. It's happening to me. You're the lucky one. You get to watch and not live it. Des hangs his head. Not to get to show he understood. You're right, buddy. You're right. He looks up at me. How are you dealing with this? I look out the window. I don't know. I'm alive, I guess. None of it seems real. A crazy idea hits me. That's it. That's it, man. It doesn't seem real. How is that it? Des asks. We've been going off what people tell us. I mean, tell me this doesn't sound like a really fucked up prank being pulled on us by some stupid reality show. What we need is proof. Des put his hands up and passed the air with them. Whoa, whoa, easy, Max. What do you mean by proof? Hurt me, I tell him excited. Hurt me, and if I heal, this is all real. If it's not, it's a joke, and we sue the shit out of someone. Hurt you how? Des asked me, nervous. You're going to have to draw blood, Des. It's the only way. I tell him with earnest. Des looks over at me, looking a little green in the gills. Max, I don't know if I can. You're my friend. I'm asking you to, Des. I'm all but begging you to, so we can get to the truth of this matter. Des looks at me almost sick. What do you want me to do? Do you have a knife? I ask. Do I have a what? Are you out of your mind, Max? You want me to stab you with my own knife while you're in custody? That shit'll mean my job, man. Possibly land me in custody with you, he says, flailing his arms. That won't happen if I heal, I reason. That's a big if, Max. In fact, that's a freaking ginormous if. Do you have a better idea? I ask him. What if I just slice you a little? I mean, it doesn't have to be catastrophic, right? We just need a break in the skin to see if it grows back. Well, yeah. If you want to be a pansy about it, I tell him. Des pulls his knife out and, with a flick of his wrist, the blade is revealed. He raises the blade with his pointy finger on the dull side and comes toward me. Calvin the Author's audiobooks is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Music on the podcast was provided by Alpha Brutal. You can find out more about the author on his website at calvinthauthor.wordpress.com, as well as find him on Facebook by searching Calvin the Author or on Twitter at Calvin the Author. I want to thank Mike Spring, E.C. Fisher, Victoria Kuchina, Marion Wilder, Kevin Henry, May Clark, Sean W. Elliott, Tamara Crow, Florida Caper, William Benner. Stevenson Yu, and Shauna L. Hebert.
You guys should really follow these wonderful folks on Facebook. Many of them are authors with works of their own, and you should check them out. Also, they've been helping me get the word out for the podcast, and I really appreciate it. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to my work, and I look forward to sharing more of it with you next week.